process of fundraising is not for the faint-hearted, but it's as a necessary step to achieve what you want to do. Hello, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome back for the second part of uh, my interview with uh, Navalayo Sembo. The first part, we talked about uh, Nava life, growing up in uh, Kenya, boarding school, education, and her professional life before founding Enda. But now let's get into mm. the meat of her job today. So, Nava, we would love to know what is the what was the origins of the idea? Um, I, I would say it was just like a variety. It was like many events leading to each other, not that you just woke up and say, I'm building Enda. <laughs> I had always had a keen interest in sports. Mm-hmm. When I came back from, well, I was um, at, during my graduate school, I started having the idea of having a sports academy in Kenya. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, essentially running it while I was in New York. And the whole idea was to basically give uh, a sporting opportunity for children who are not necessarily in a situation where they were economically able to afford like professional coaching services. Mm-hmm. And that idea didn't work. But um, I happened to be in Nairobi talking about it in a group of people where I was just talking about the social impact of Kenya and sports and how we haven't taken advantage of that. And when I was uh, talking about it, my uh, now business partner and co-founder was in the crowd and he came up and he was like, you actually asked very poignant questions about uh, the social impact of Kenya and sports. And we started talking about running and how um, the Kenya is so great at running but hasn't really realized the benefit of that. Mm-hmm. And that basically led to, wow, if you are to really realize the benefit of running, it has to be an investment in running shoes. And that was when we both had that idea of like we had that realization that you know what how come there hasn't been any running shoes made in Kenya and we decided to make them okay that's uh, that's interesting so I like the as you said you've always been in sport so it's not something it's not an idea that came out of uh, an industry you had either no idea or no experience in you actually know about sport and you like running and I like what you mentioned about the social impact you say sport opportunity for children and then you get your co-founder and decided to build Uh, and itself can you talk about the the first steps because i think a lot of people can have an idea like that maybe talk with a friend or family member and then just stop idea idea and don't do anything about it right what was the first step that you did after that conversation to actually say okay Let's build it. What was the first uh, question that you asked yourself and what was the first thing that you did? Uh, the first question was actually about like my business partner, like uh, if he was the right person to do the business with. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like to myself because, again, if you're deciding to build a business with someone, you have to be aligned in your mission and values. Mm-hmm. And once we had a chat and I really got to understand uh, like his mission, his ambitions, his drives, I realized like our hearts were in the same place. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was Like, okay, this looks like someone who really understands the vision and, um, like, he, he understands why we have to do it in Kenya. And I'd say same for me, uh, kind of just assessing, um, for me, am I, like, someone who we would want to do, who would want to do business with? Mm-hmm. And once that was established, we now started to look for a team that understood making shoes because we didn't have that experience. And now we started looking for people online, on LinkedIn, on recommendations, just sending emails and saying you're looking for people with this skill set. Mm-hmm. And basically, a lot of people shared our messages or recommended us to different people, and that's how we we 
started chatting to a lot of people and eventually found someone to work with. That's interesting. I've watched a lot of videos around how you're supposed to, to start a company. And I like the fact that you you mentioned the, the value and the mission of your co-founder before even starting the the enterprise with him. I like that you don't mention what type of degree he has or that didn't seem to be the priority. It was mostly around does that person actually believe in the mission and want to do it? That's, that's I think, is really cool. It's a good learning that building a company, your the degree doesn't matter much. It's more about the the idea and the belief. Decide the what people you, want to. you want to do it. Exactly. Awesome. Uh, when you talk about recruiting and look at people who actually build that company, how did you reach out to them? Because I'm guessing at that point, you basically had no funding, right? Were you looking for people who were passionate that would like to build the company with you? Or were you already promising, uh, I don't know, salary or something like that? No, and I think that is also why we. it was so essential that we found the right person. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you, are, if you are like thinking about money, 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 um, not that money is bad, but it, our mission, our business is, has a social side to it. Mm-hmm. So we needed someone who understood why we were doing what we were doing. And that was more important than anything else because uh, whoever was coming in had to be aligned with the vision. And uh, we did talk to a number of people. Some matched, some didn't. We talked and talked and talked to a lot of more people <laughs> until we found the right person. But I would say, um, ultimately, it's just finding... Uh, we didn't have the money and we were basically very clear upfront that this relationship is not going to be like give you X amount of money at the end of the month. But here is the dream and this is what we are building. So if you're coming to work with us, you're literally coming and buying into that dream. I see. Okay. When the first and the second person joined your team, were you still based in New York or were you back in Nairobi already? Oh, no, I was based in New York. Like, I feel like a lot of the, it was a gradual process, right? Like, even when we started Enda, it was more of just a lot of phone and Skype discussions and saying, okay, um, are we ready for this? Are we working on this? Um, The move to go full-time to Enda happened probably like two and a half years after we started the company. So it it did take a lot of time to build and it up to that point where we realized we needed significant um, time investment if this business was to work. I see. Okay, I see. Mm-hmm. What was the initial mission? Because I'm guessing at that point you are with your co-founder, uh, maybe two, three person on your team. What exactly mm-hmm. were you working towards? Did you have a very long-term mission that you broke down into uh, like tactics, small goals that you would reach by the end of the quarter, the year? Yeah, like when we started, really, we were myself and my co-founder for the longest time. We literally just got people uh, on board last year. Um, for the longest time, it was just the two of us. But we had milestones like saying by the second half of the year, we should have a prototype. By the next half, we should have a go-to-market strategy. By the next half, we should start thinking about launching a Kickstarter campaign. By the next quarter, we should. So we had a, it wasn't like broken down to the T, but uh, when we started out, but it was more of we knew what we wanted to achieve at certain times and we really went for it. Awesome. Yeah. Which I think obviously is is, uh, very helpful, not just to have a vision and have that dream, but actually lay down on paper the kind of steps and milestones, even to keep you on check, right? To make sure that you're not just talking. I'm guessing that those milestones were helpful into making sure you're actually making progress towards your mission. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because if you don't have something to guide you in progress, you you might be busy on the wrong things, and uh, we needed to put our effort in where it needed to be. 
<laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so you've, you've done that. When was the, um, the very first moment that you uh, registered the company, administratively speaking? So first of all, did you do it in New York or in, uh, in uh, Nairobi? Where was it easier and why? Uh, we did it in New York first because A, I was there. Mm -hmm. And B, from an intellectual property perspective, uh, we wanted um, our IP protected in the U.S. because mm -hmm. that's going to be our key market. Mm -hmm. So it was a matter of just time and location. Like I was in New York, I was not going to be in Kenya anytime soon. So we started with that. And it also made sense to protect the IP while, uh, before we started doing anything else. And then after that, uh, we basically started in Nairobi when the Kenyan entity essentially, like when we started production in Kenya, then we registered the Kenyan entity because that also took some time to, to basically set up the supply chain. Got it. That makes sense. Okay. Before we get into um, the question of uh, funding Nava, there's a, a question I should have asked at the beginning for our listeners. Can you tell us Uh, briefly, you talked about Enda, the origin of the idea, uh, what it was to um, recruit the first member of your team. Can you talk about, let's say I'm a listener in Cameroon, I know about your life so far, I know about the difficulty and the origin of the idea. Can you talk briefly about what is Enda and if I'm interested to learn more about Enda, what is it, what am I looking at, what are the type of product that you are building at the moment? Okay, so Enda is the Swahili word. Uh, that means go. And we are essentially Kenya's and Africa's first performance running footwear manufacturer, which basically means uh, like professional running shoes. We manufacture that. And the reason why we did it was because we realized that Kenyans have been dominant in the long distance running um, industry for so long, but we haven't really done much other than win awards. And even the people who win those awards are not many people. There's still a whole horde of athletes that never benefit from it. And we challenged ourselves and said, if other countries can benefit from their reputation, why shouldn't Kenya do that? And that was the premise of us starting the company. That's awesome. So... I will provide the information in the description of the podcast, but for now, you can go to endasportswear.com, E-N-D-A-sportswear.com, and you can already buy your endas pair of running shoes. So it's really, really exciting. Sorry to do it only now. I should have done it for the very beginning, but I think it was important to just briefly recap what you're doing and if people want to learn more or purchase your product, where exactly they should go. So um, you have milestones at the moment, Nava. You have, uh, by the end of the, the six months, if you have a prototype, at which point the idea of uh, funding and raising, raising more money became important? At what moment did you say, okay, we can't go forward unless we have a lot more money than we have right now? Um, I think it was the point after which we had the prototype and then we realized that the amount of money needed to move forward would be a lot more than we had. Mm -hmm. And we basically had to get very creative in terms of where to get that money. A, we were a startup, so we don't necessarily have uh, a lot of financial data or history to show that we could be relied on for um, by traditional banks. Mm -hmm. And we that was the point where we realized that we had a good chance to, to raise money on crowdfunding. I see. Because Up until now, you were basically self-funded, right? Yes. Okay, which also is, a, I think, is a very good lesson, right? I think a lot of people, including me, I would thought, I would think that, oh, I have an idea, I want to do this and that, but 
because of the education that I have in mind, I would automatically think about raising money first. I like the step that you did of putting your own money in, having a prototype, and only after ask the question of how do we uh, do we raise money. How how did you think about Kickstarter? Why didn't you at that point think of going from uh, you know investors to investors, pitching your ideas to raise money? Why did Kickstarter come from? We actually went to investors and we got a lot of feedback that we were too early stage. So we did try to look for money and we did get money from our friends and our families, but it wasn't enough. And mm -hmm. we basically realized that we were considered too young. And as a result, we were like, okay, what's the next step after this uh, rejections? And we were like, okay, let's try crowdfunding. I would say it was part strategy and part our backs against the wall. I can't even imagine how difficult were those moments. Can you share, I don't know, maybe one or two stories of uh, either positively where you managed to raise money through friends and family or negatively how you and your co-founder felt after getting a rejection from an investor? Um, getting a rejection is very personal <laughs> or whatever because it means somehow you have to tell your mind that it's a rejection of the idea, not yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, we did actually like write to so many people and we never really got a positive answer. Mm -hmm. And at some point we did get an answer that was like, oh my God, this is amazing, I love it. And then come to time of signing the agreement, the person kind of went under mm -hmm. and that hurt a lot. But I think it was just the realization that it's okay, you know, like of all these people, I just need one, you know, I just need one or two people to believe. And um, yeah, I would say rejection now that I'm a little bit more seasoned, not too much, I would say that I've, I've kind of just learned that rejection is the name of the game because ultimately it comes down to so many things, comes down to chemistry, it comes down to how they understand the industry or how they understand the financials or if they like you at all. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many factors. And as you're running a business, you're better off spending time worried about how to improve your sales, for instance, as opposed to why uh, people didn't like you. Um, and of course, it's always great to look for feedback and say, is there a place where you think I could do better or work on? Some people gave us that feedback, some didn't. But I would say that the process of fundraising is not for the faint-hearted, but it's as a necessary step to achieve what you want to do so we just embraced it and uh, we did that for our friends and families we uh, pitched to them and told them what we wanted to do and they got back to us uh, some did invest some didn't and um, as i said it was all part of rejection and some accept at least those who were able to to fund us did help us to get a little bit ahead of the pack like to get to the prototype which was the most important part of the process Got it. Wow. Uh, I can't even I can't even imagine again. I, uh, I read stories about how tough is fundraising. But at any point <laughs> when you got all those no, uh, the mm. idea never left your mind. Right. Because you could have said this is really, really this is an idea we really believe in. But after getting a specific amount of no, you could have said, you know what, maybe this is not going to work. Let's just give up. What was it that made you? and your co-founder, did you have a system to motivate each other where your belief strong enough that it is going to work out, not just with that person? What was that thing that will keep you going despite getting all of the no that you got at that point? I think it was the vision. Like we knew we had a really big audacious vision 
And we knew that we just needed to make this vision a reality. So it was always uh, moving towards the vision. If something works out, great. If it doesn't work out, move quickly. So until the vision pretty much motivated us to keep going. I see. I think that's a good lesson for, for, for all of us that as long as you have the vision, don't, don't give up. Don't give up, definitely. Uh, Nava, yeah. a quick, a quick. Um, I want to mention quickly uh, your different campaigns that you did on uh, on Kickstarter. I don't want to mention specifically the the amount, but I want to talk about the process. Right, you mentioned uh, after getting some no's from investors, you realized that there were a different door to raise money, and that was a Kickstarter. And for those who don't know, Kickstarter is basically a website where You talk about an idea, a vision that you have. You can even present your prototype. And everyone, you and me, can just chip in and say, okay, I believe in what you do. Here is $50. Here's $100. And with that money, depending on how much you give, you can even purchase the product at a discount of what the product will be when it will be released. So through that, that means you have the both time that you did your campaigns, you have enough people believing in your ideas that both of your campaigns were successful. Can you talk about uh, what it was running those campaigns? Uh, when did you start the difficulties of the Kickstarter campaigns? And uh, yeah, what happened after that? You know, in Kenya, we have something called the Harambe. Uh, we call it Harambe, but it's like when you can't be able to do something, people come together and they help you, whether it's school fees or roofing a house or doing something that you can't do. So I pretty much like looked at Kickstarter from that perspective, mm-hmm. because when you're asking people to come help you, you have to contact them in advance. You have to tell them what they're coming for. You have to tell them how much money you're planning to raise so that people kind of come prepared And then you have to get them to commit to come so that you're not making food for 100 people and only five show up. So you have to get some sort of commitment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I felt as though a Kickstarter campaign was a harambe just on steroids or on a digital platform. And uh, the hard part really is to just collect, like gather the crowd and get them to believe in your vision. That that took time and just like really contacting people and I think the hard part was uh, for myself. Um, I'm a bit introverted, so having to force myself to literally uh, be in front of a camera or write email to people asking for something, because sometimes you don't want to ask for things. You don't have your pride and say that I can do this by myself. <laughs> But uh, Kickstarter basically demolishes that spirit. Like It's like you have to go and ask for what you want. Mm-hmm. And that was difficult. And also just, um, you know, like there's the disappointment of where you think, oh, this person is my friend and I know they have money. I'm sure they'll chip in and they don't chip in or they chip in like something so little. And you're like, wait, I thought they would give me more money. (laughs) You know, so it's also just the disappointments that come up with it. Like um, you kind of have expectations. But then on the flip side, there's also a lot of um, triumphs that come with it, like people who you haven't spoken to for the longest time or people who you only met once but uh, clearly made an impression on them and they want to support you mm-hmm. or even just like the support we got like as our campaign was um, getting momentum it, it just felt very surreal so I would say it was hard to get started but once you got that momentum it really became um, a labor of love like it was just really nice to see the community um, support us I see wow 
Uh, I'm guessing the Kickstarter campaign, as you said, I imagine it, it, it runs, it, it takes about, I think, two or three months, right? When you create a Kickstarter campaign, there is a specific duration of time after which the campaign closes automatically, right? Yes, yes. Usually you can choose. The first one we did was for 30 days. The second one we did a bit longer. It was for 45 days. I see. So, yeah, that's basically, it's in your mind for every single day in that duration. Like you woke up in the morning, you have to, uh, again, update everyone on every social media possible, reach out to friends and family. Like how, how mentally exhaustive that was and what was your support system to get you through that phase? Yeah, it was extremely, extremely uh, mentally exhausting. Actually, I have a friend who just recently finished her Kickstarter campaign, and she was like, "I, sh I was not prepared for the mental anguish that went into that project <laughs> because you keep refreshing the page, you keep checking, you keep checking who's pledged, who hasn't. You need to keep checking and sending emails and updates. You need to. There's just a lot of stuff that needs to happen, and it can get very, very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, in terms of support system, I think it was just basically the. Again, I think it's just the the vision. You know, like we had a job to do. Yes, we are tired, but we have a job to do. You know, <laughs> like I would say that's resilience from Deloitte. <laughs> like there's work that needs to be done. Work has to be finished. So, kind of just um, like we got into this knowing that. There's also that thing of, you know, if you don't reach your goal, there are consequences for that. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that you cannot fail, you know, you cannot fail at any cost. And um, because our dream was basically on the line and that really motivated us to keep going even when we were tired. And also the, 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 the whole progress, like the progress was motivating because you would sleep and wake up and you'd see it's moved a little bit. So it gives you motivation that whatever effort you put was like it resulted in something. So you have to put in more effort if you want to see the results. So there was that. And I think also just, uh, I cannot underestimate the, the presence of friends and families who just listened to us moan and complain and like still do it. But they, the, our friends and families have also been very, very supportive. I have to say I'm lucky in that perspective. My family is very supportive. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very really awesome. Mm -hmm. Glad to hear that. Thanks, Nala. Before we go to the to our third and final section, uh, I would like to ask, what is next right now for for you and for and for Enda? Right, you did those two Kickstarter campaign. Uh, they worked both really well. Uh, you put a lot of time, a lot of effort and energy, so you were rewarded from what you put in. What is next now in terms of new products that uh, we should be looking forward to or even the social impact part of Enda, what is, uh, what is coming next? Um, so it's more of, uh, we've just launched a new product, actually our second Kickstarter campaign closed like about a month ago. So we, for the longest time we had one product, now we have two products. Uh, we should be ready uh, for delivery at the end of this year. Uh, so we just raised the money for that. So we are uh, going to launch the new daily trainer. We are also launching apparel uh, that's basically uh, like T-shirts, and we are working on seeing if we can launch other parts. 
And right now we are working on a lifestyle shoe that is essentially uh, more um, locally oriented, uh, more locally sourced and geared towards the Kenyan market to give them something beautiful from Enda that is also uh, telling the story of Kenya's culture. Awesome. Awesome. That's that's really exciting. I can't wait to see uh, what the second product will look like. And you know for a fact I'll be your very first customer. And again, I encourage every of our listeners to check out uh, endasportwear.com. Uh, believe uh, believe in the product, believe in the idea, check it out, and again, share the word if you, uh, if you can. Awesome. So yeah, thank you very much again for your time, Nava. I encourage our listener to follow us to listen to the third and uh, final part of our discussion. So as a reminder, Nava is from Nairobi, Kenya. So it's important for us, I think, to know as she's building her company and her movement, what is the place of not just Kenya, but Africa overall? because she's at some level representing uh, not just her country, but the continent into her action. So it'd be interesting to dig into uh, how, what, and what are the type of actions she is taking to, uh, again, further improve and change the narrative of Africa in her action. So thank you very much again to uh, every one of you for listening. I'll tell you to you and uh, see you in the third and final part.